Here we are back again, Slam City on Dunk360.com. Mukwa Sonia, Raymond Moore, Jeremy Epstein from our beautiful New York City studios. It's not beautiful. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ray, Ray, you're in a good mood today. You, you, you who <laughs> like to talk about sandbagging, goodness gracious. What are you talking about? You love to try and come for other people until it's time for you. Let, let, first, we'll start with this. Since football is on our mind, especially since we were at the Russell Athletic launch of the oh, Team God. On campaign yesterday, oh, it was... Ray, who was the MVP? It was, event? A gr- it was a great the event. MVP was hey, hey, let me talk about the event first, doggone it. It was a great event. Eddie George, former Heisman winner and NFL <laughs> running back, was there. And Media actor. members were there. And actor, Broadway actor. True, and professor at Ohio State. Yeah. Don't sell him short. Who said I was selling him short? You left out the actor and professor at Ohio State. Thanks, Jeremy. Glad to see you who were not there yesterday. I'm glad to see that we can keep you everything cookie? together. Wow, Ray is really in a good mood today. <laughs> Bristle. <laughs> Very good mood. But here's what was cool. First off, we got some really great we got some really great gear. We encourage you to take a look at everything they've got going on. But there was a what was it? It was like a hashtag on the shirt, right? If you yeah. sweat it enough. Yeah, if you sweat it enough, you see your ha- you see a hashtag on the shirt. Hashtag settle your score. Yeah, settle your score. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, they got a, another a lot of that stuff now with like if sweat activated clothing, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah. that's it. So. Cool. And it was great. We ran through a bunch of drills with the Union City High School football team yeah, he was like in New Jersey. Team, Wait, no. say that again. You're like part of the team, apparently. That's what they said. I, look, I just I like do, I like doing the drills. That that's totally fine with me. I really like. I, I so so it was already well documented that I wasn't there. Which one of you was more effective in these drills? I can't tell really because he slipped twice. I had some missteps, so I can't really tell. Did you go full speed or half speed? That's nah, what it's all about. I, I went half speed. I didn't want to go hard. All right, so he, he went hard. Then he won. He's the more effective. <laughs> I, I didn't want to go hard. Just like. I just wanted to go to Joe's right. I felt like he just went hard and he slipped twice. I sl- okay. First of all, I slipped twice in one drill. Yeah, and then got back up, and then got and then got back up and did it again. I don't understand. You slipped twice. I slipped twice in that one drill on an all turf field. If you really want to come for me, we can really do that oh because the fact of the matter is, when you were doing the high chopping throughout the stuff, the whole team was laughing at your gate. So if we really want to go there. We can go there. Laughing about what? The fact that you lurched back and forth like you were in a rickety car. I still caught the ball, though. It wasn't the catching. Ay, ay, ay. Anyway. I still caught the ball, though. At least I didn't slip twice. (laughs) That's that's really all you have? And I did it over again after he tried to knock the ball out for me? So (laughs) if that's all you have, you lost anyway. But anyway... Since we're going to go to football, it's a good time to talk about the fact that the Jets got their man, apparently. Ryan Fitzpatrick signed a one-year $12 million figure. And, fellas, to me, the deal is important, but it, it feels like they're exactly the same team they were last year. And they didn't even make the playoffs as, as well as they played. I think they'll make the playoffs this year, though. I think this team is going to be a little bit different than they were last year. I don't think you could bank on Ryan Fitzpatrick having a similar year. Well, that too. But I think people are so hyped about the schedule that they can't win these games against these teams. And you never know what's going to happen on the Sunday. For all we know, an injury might occur. Somebody may not be playing well, and, and the Jets can take advantage. I mean, you make a good point. Those teams are looking at the Jets, too. Like the games hard. are played, yeah. you 
yeah. can't determine. You could always look. They did the same thing last year with training camp. If you look at the schedule last year, I think in week two or three, the Jets played the Colts on Monday Night Football. No I feel like everyone them. penciled yeah. that as a loss. They just ended up, you know, having a very good game that night. Yeah. So until the, you see what you go through the preseason, see the final fifty-three, then you can make the decision. But I don't think you could have went into the season with Geno Smith as the quarterback, especially after what happened last year. Especially after every Brandon Marshall, Eric Decker were very vocal about wanting to have Ryan Fitzpatrick back. Ryan Fitzpatrick had literally no other option. It was the Jets or just not play football. So I mean, I still want to see Geno get a chance at least. I don't know. I mean, I just felt like. And people are, are just saying that he was not a good quarterback because of the first two years. But those first two years, he didn't well, have no one. I was there with training camp last year with our guests who we're going to have on, Chris Nimley of Jets Insider and Scout.com. So I was there on training camp last year before Geno Smith did get punched in the face, a sentence I can't believe I wrote, I just said, <laughs> by IK and Impale over what was reported to be $600. But during that training camp, Geno did look really good. He was making the throws. He had Marshall, had Decker. And if you look at the people he had before, you had Jeremy Curley yeah. and Eric Decker. I mean, Brandon Marshall can make anybody look good. So Look at Jay Cutler. Exactly. Jay Cutler looked very good. <laughs> so, or, Well, he looked okay for the first couple of years, and then he kind of fell apart that last year. But it, it would be interesting to see what Geno does. They're gonna, I think they're going to have to cut a quarterback because they have four guys right now, Hackenberg, Geno, and Petty. I think it's pretty unheard of for you to carry four quarter. I guess they yeah. can make one inactive. Maybe. But you're not going to cut Hackenberg. You, I guess you would. Would you cut Petty? You just drafted I mean, him a year. I, I wouldn't. But you I can't. That, the thing is, so then that leaves Geno. But then theoretically, if Fitzpatrick breaks his jaw, or like he tears, hurts, blows his knee out, which he had a broken leg the year before with the Texans yeah. before he came to the Jets, you have absolutely no experience behind him. Which means you're depending on Bryce Petty, who hasn't seen a game of NFL action. And rookie Christian. And so the problem with this is now that you're going to have to keep four quarterbacks, and that could cost you when final cuts roll around a guy who's having a really good camp at, let's say, a linebacker position or a cornerback or tight end spot, a guy who really deserves to make the team. But since you kind of have the stack quarterback position, you're going to have to cut the guy. You can always put him in the practice squad, though. Just so, no, so, Gino's just not so. practice well, not, eligible. Well, I hope Gino, well, I'm not saying Gino Smith, but the other players. Well, they like, might like, get claimed. They might do that. But also, just imagine this. They cut Gino Smith. And the Patriots just picks him up, and then he becomes their that's future quarterback. That's not going to happen. That's not happening. That's not going to happen. You know what Belichick is. He can make Geno Smith look like a, a freaking a pro bowler. Well, he'll never mean. see the field. They have Garoppolo. What are you talking exactly. about? Exactly. And Garoppolo is going to play the first four games anyway. And also, stunks. No. And also, Tom Brady's never retiring. As no, New York as New York fans, I'm not no, he's big. We're, I don't think we're all big Tom Brady people, but he's, he's never retiring. He's retiring in, in three years. I give him three oh, years. Oh, he's like 40 years old almost. Yeah, but he's not going to play for like until he's 45. He's insane. He's been the guy he, he who always... One, he takes one hit, he's done. He knows that. We he takes said one that big last hit, year, and he still put up crazy numbers. Yeah, but you got to understand, an athlete, when they get to that age, you're not the same player. I don't care how, how healthy you are. I don't care how much nutrition and work you put in. It's going to happen. And he's got to face that fact. And, and, and he's got to know that eventually he's got to retire. Let's look at the, let's look at the defense for a second because... Mo Wilkerson, I'm still shocked that, the, that he signed that extension. For me, it really came out of nowhere. I'm glad they made the decision, but will that? you think that's going to hamstring them, or are they just No, I think they're fine because he's a homegrown guy. He, he wanted to be a Jeff He's from the life. area, yeah, too. Yeah, he wanted he's to be from a Jeff for life. So I'm not shocked by this. I felt like 
you know, this guy wanted to play for this team. I don't think he wanted to play anybody else. If you else. look at tiers of his position in the NFL, it's J.J. Watt by himself, and then Mo Wilkerson is leading that next tier. He's that yeah. big of an impact player. He's I think he's coming off an injury of the last game of the year, but you had to get that deal done. He's very productive. He's very he's such a good player. That's the strength of the Jets is the front four, the defensive line. But you got him, Sheldon, Leonard Williams. You did lose Damian Snacks Harrison, but you had to get that deal done because Mo Wilkerson is probably the best, one of the best players on that team. You could argue. On the defense, it's probably him, Revis, or Sheldon. You get that linebacker, too. I mean, like having core got better. It's more depth. Well, that was their weakness. So, That's yeah. been the Jets' weakness for a while now. Yeah, now so it's, it's good better. to see that they upgraded it through the draft. I like I like Lee. I think he's going to make an impact with this team. I think it's for versatility. It's, what it's going to come down to is if obviously losing DeBrickashaw Ferguson to retirement is if Clady can stay healthy. Yeah, that's the, that's the big Because he's had a lot of injury yeah. problems. And if he can't stay healthy and you have to rotate left tackles in and out, Fitzpatrick is a mobile guy. He could get hurt scrambling either way, but he he takes one blindside hit. You're stuck with Geno Smith, and I don't know how many people would be comfortable with Geno. People really hate on Geno a lot, though. It I is. mean, he had no one in his first two years. You're not wrong. Like, can you at least give him weapons and see if he's like a Pro Bowl or something? Like, for like, let's say if Geno Smith had weapons his first two years and he stuck. I understand that, but he didn't. All he had was Curly. And a bunch of nobodies on his team. He had Eric Decker for yeah, but Eric Decker was injured. injured he got hurt in that Green Bay yeah. game. That year they went four and twelve. I think they played Green Bay week two or week three. And he got injured. And they they were killing Green Bay. They were up like twenty one to three, and they yeah. ended up blowing it when like I think someone called the timeout that nullified the game winning the game time field goal yeah. or the game time touchdown. So Gino made a great throw, and I think Sheldon Richardson called the timeout and that nullified it. So they were. Playing, Gino was playing really well, and then the, the season just fell apart. If you look at that year when they went four and twelve, when Gino was playing awful, and but the defense and the, the way they were competing, they were better than a four and twelve team. Yeah, but so, so, I just, I just maybe, maybe we don't know. Maybe it could be a, a story right now where Smith just plays well, he, well training he, camp. He and said then he's he pissed gets, off that they rec- that Ryan Fitzpatrick basically took his job and he's intent on earning the starting position, which I don't think is going to happen unless Fitzpatrick, you know, forgets how to play but football. But I still think Bowles couldn't just give. Rich Patrick, the starting job. I mean, I feel he like is. They've been I saying th- it for weeks that if he comes back, Ryan's our starter. There's no quarterback controversy here. He Ryan Fitzpatrick's the starter. And if he just fails in the preseason and Smith plays better, you think that's gonna? It doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. You if Ryan Fitzpatrick's gonna be playing against first units, Geno's gonna go against the second units. It doesn't matter. That's and what happens when Gino could struggle against the second units? It's and then, and then all of a sudden, you'll hear people say, "See, he was never that good a quarterback." This guy has played lights out. Then that's the only way. He has a complete like eighty. There's no passes. other way. There's no other way. Gino's not going to start. He's not starting. He's not going to start at all, barring an injury. He's not going to start. I'll give him a twenty percent chance. He's not starting. He's not starting. He's- He's not starting. Unless Fitzpatrick gets injured, he's not going to see the Something field. Something has to happen. What, okay, how about this scenario? What if, what if the Jets go 1-4 and four in the first five Well, games? that's that's a different discussion because that's during the regular season. You're saying yeah. he's going to open the year as a starter. That's tough, not going to happen. And it's the toughest six games that they have. So let's say they go 1-4, 1-5, right? And and then they feel like the, they need Well, if they lose every game by three points and Fitzpatrick has a great quarterback rating and he's not the reason they lose, no, they're then not going to make a good. switch. Oh, yeah, that's all. But, uh, I mean, I don't think it happened. I mean, I just don't want to see this situation where Spiff is released and he goes to another team and he becomes like a freaking Super Bowl champ and then everybody's like, what happened there? You don't want that to happen. Well, sometimes some guys need a new start. Yeah. And he might be deserving of one, to be honest, because last year he honestly got screwed. Yeah, he did. No, he didn't. He got punched in the face over a, a, of a situation of his causing. What I mean by that is not that, not that the situation wasn't his fault, but it's a tough break. 
without it, we may not see Fitzpatrick back here this year. True. Well, maybe as a backup, he might have took the three million that they offered him in years two and three. If like instead of that would have been the whole contract. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. I just felt like he's what's exciting is that chance. football is back and we get oh, to have too. these discussions. Oh yeah, that too. There's a lot of discussions we could have, but I know one thing: Smith's gotta do whatever it takes. You know, he's not gonna get it, but he's gonna do whatever it takes. Well, to obviously, try to, he's to a be competitor, he's a pro athlete, and maybe. A glibber of hope, maybe he, he somehow gets in there by daughter. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. Uh, all right, then. I'll give him a, I told you, I'll give him a 20% chance, but that's it. It's uh, too, that's right. way too high. Uh, it's not uh, high at all. What are you talking about? I mean, 80% chance Fitzpatrick stays the starter for the rest of the season. Which means... And remember, you don't even have shape. Well, you know, some people say he only gained like one pound, that's it. But he's still the same way he was last year. We don't know how he's going to be in training camp. So He's been there for a day. Yeah, but he hasn't practiced football in like six months, like since after they got eliminated and all that crap. Speaking of the Jets, we're glad to be joined by Chris Nimbley from Jets Insider and Scout.com. Chris, Unquare and Jeremy, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. How are you guys doing? Great, thanks. I know you and Jeremy have a little bit of history, but we'll ignore that for now and start with really the biggest news of the Jets offseason so far. Ryan Fitzpatrick is back. For twelve million a year, what's your primary takeaway from the deal? Uh, it, my primary take is, is everybody said it, it. It's a deal that had to be done. McCagney tried to stand firm with his price. Uh, he had to adjust it a little bit. Fitzpatrick had presented this deal around draft time. Once he got the initial offer, he didn't want to do a one-year deal and then essentially here be our backup for the next couple at a reduced price. So he presented the one-year mil- one deal, $12 million. The Jets didn't fight at the time. But the simple fact is, is McCagnon goes into the season with Geno Smith as the starter, and Geno falters and doesn't do well, he's going to get a lot of heat for it. Because of the way everyone's talked about this and predicted it, if Fitzpatrick comes in and he doesn't perform up to what he did last year and he falls flat, no one's really going to kill McCagnon for it. So it's a move he kind of had to make. Was there a lot of pressure coming from the skill position players, specifically Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker, for this deal to get done? Uh, I mean, there was. I don't know that that really factored into it. It, it, it factored into it a, a little bit, but that what factored in was already there, and that's the camaraderie that a lot of the players feel in the locker room with Ryan Fitzpatrick. The, you know, he lacks a lot as a quarterback, but he's been in this league a while. He has a good relationship with players. He knows how to lead and go about doing everything and just go and do the work. And people follow him. They And a lot of the older players, they connect with him more. They relate with him more. And it's just easier for them. And because of all that, that it may suggest more likely they were like, okay, we got to sign him because he is that guy. And the fact that he is that guy is what had – Decker and Marshall, you know, claiming how much they wanted the back. What was Geno Smith's reaction to the news yesterday? He, you know, he handled it really well. He sat there. He said, "He said, you know, at first, at one point, he admitted he was pissed off at it, but not like pissed off at anyone or at anything. Just as a competitor, he wants to go out there and compete, and he wants to show everybody those first two years that he had weren't what he." is right now and it's not what he thinks he can be 
And it, it's really hard to blame him, too. He had this whole offseason. He was looking good in minicamp and OTAs. He absolutely lit it up yesterday, too. He looked phenomenal. But so he's sitting there thinking maybe he's got a shot to, with a real offense under Changeli, all these weapons. Maybe I got a shot to prove everyone wrong. And now he's just got the only way he's going to get that shot is if it's Patrick gets hurt or Barry start one and five or something like that. Chris, uh, even before Fitzpatrick was signed, do you feel like the window on Geno Smith had closed? No, I don't. I don't think so at all. I've talked about this extensively. He came from that West Virginia air raid offense where they didn't even really have a playbook. He gets thrown in. He wasn't ready to play, but they started him week one. And they started him in the West Coast offense, which is the hardest system for an NFL quarterback to run. He had to make that jump right off the bat, and he had absolutely no weapons. He had Jeremy Curley as his best receiver. He had Clyde Gates. Even the second year, he had Decker. But Decker was dealing with that hamstring injury for a large portion of the season. He only missed one game, but there's a bunch of games where he came in and out, and he just wasn't the same. And I just don't think that you can... We used to sit there and say year three was the year that we start judging quarterbacks. That's what we used to do. We used to do that for a reason. It's best for the quarterback to learn. It's a huge adjustment from college. And he was looking great last year in training camp, but because of the ICA incident, he never got a chance to, to go into that year three. How long do you think it's going to take for Fitzpatrick to develop chemistry again with Decker and Marshall? You know, he, yesterday he was a little rusty in training camp, and, you know, you kind of expect that because – he hadn't really played football for about six months, so how long do you think it's going to take? I don't think it's going to take that long, but I do still think you're going to have days like yesterday sprinkled throughout because that's what Ryan Fitzpatrick is. I mean, last year, Geno looked way better than him throughout camp. He would have Fitzpatrick would have some solid days, but he's never going to have days where you're just sitting there like, wow, this guy, what a quarterback. He doesn't have those days, and he'll occasionally have – training camp practices where he throws a bunch of interceptions and fumbles the ball because that's what he does in the NFL. That's what he's always done in the NFL. So, uh, you know, now it's opted. Gino looks great in practice, and then it's taking a little bit of a step back in the game sometimes. But, again, that comes with adjusting to the NFL. So I still think Fitzpatrick might be a safer bet, but you're going to see the same thing throughout camp and preseason. So now if Fitzpatrick back, this offense is basically intact. Is there any one player in particular that we're going to have to see that maybe becomes that third option for them that, that needs to step up for this team? This year, I don't think there needs to be – I mean, eventually some one person does need to do that, but I don't think we can look at it now and say it has to be this person or that person because there's a bunch of different options for them to go to. They can see if Quincy Nunwa can take a further step. They really love the way that they can use him, adjust the play call depending on who's covering him so he can block downfield for the running back or go out and make plays. Jason Morrow's back if he can stay healthy with the attention that Decker and uh, Marshall are going to draw. That should open things up for him. And the addition of Matt Forte and bringing back Blau Powell, both of them are all round back. They can run the ball, they can pass protect, but they can be weapons in the passing game. And if it's just Marshall and Decker getting attention and no one else is stepping up, Fitzpatrick can sit there and just dump passes off to them and watch them make plays. So obviously the Jets lost the Stallworth at left tackle with the retirement of the Brickashaw Ferguson. So how has Ryan Clady looked through OTA's minicamp and now during training camp? Uh, it's it's really hard to judge. He's He's 
you can tell he's still working his way back from the injury. Uh, there was a couple times, uh, one time in OTAs, Trevor Riley just absolutely torched him. Uh, he, but he's, he's looked like he's getting a little bit better. Definitely going to have to keep a close eye on him throughout camp and see how he comes along. If he can stay healthy and get back to what he used to be, then the Jets got an upgrade over the Brookshaw Ferguson. So that's a huge if. So we're going to have to wait and see. And to switch to the defensive side of the ball, how surprised were you that they inked Mo Wilkerson to that extension? I was extremely surprised, just like everyone else. It made sense, and even towards the end of last season, I was telling people and arguing that they can sign Mo to an extension, and it makes sense because of the way that the years are stacked with Sheldon Richardson and Leonard Williams. Mo signed essentially a three-year deal. That would be the year that they would have to pay Sheldon or franchise tag Sheldon, and then after that third year, they can let Mo go. They can pay Sheldon. They can, and then they won't have to pay Leonard Williams for another couple of years. So they can still do have a lot of flexibility. The deal wasn't too bad for them. It, it was definitely surprising based on the way negotiations went and how it looked and how far apart they were. And then all of a sudden, especially the deadline passed, and then we get the information 15 minutes later or whatever it was. So it was definitely shocked to everyone. We're talking to Chris Nimbley from Jets Insider and Scout.com on Slam City. Sticking with the defensive side of the ball, with Darrell Revis, it's his 10th year in the league, and obviously he's going to take a few steps back as aging happens in the NFL. Do you think he's going to fall far enough for the cornerback position in general to be a problem? No, I don't think so at all. I think one thing you have to keep in mind with Revis is he was he was always really fast, but that's not really how he wins. He is a technician. He is so sound fundamentally, and he does extensive film work. And it's his IQ that and his technique and his body positioning is all those things that's made him so great. So yeah, he's going to lose a little bit of his speed. He's going to lose a little bit of that quickness. But just like a, a pitcher, a, a, you know, aging in baseball finds different ways to get the pitchers crossed, get the strike, he's going to do that too. He's never going to be quite the player he was a couple of years ago, but he's still going to be really good. And I think some of the struggles we saw from him last year were related to that wrist injury because it was just all of a sudden they just had him playing off and, and uh, off covers a lot. And it, I kept sitting there watching these games like, why are they – giving this much space with Revis, and now it kind of makes sense. His wrist was hurting him, and he couldn't jam. On paper, this defense, you know, you look at Revis, you look at the front line, you look at the, the draft pick of Lee. How great can they be? Can they be top five? Yeah, they can definitely be top five. In fact, they should should be top five. Last year, the biggest problem with the defense was the linebacker unit, especially the lack of depth there. And they have a lot of depth there now. You mentioned Lee. They also got Jordan Jenkins, who is just a really solid all-around linebacker. He can set the edge. He can do a little rushing. He's good against the run. He made a, a really impressive pick yesterday at Fitzpatrick over the middle. You got them. You got, uh, they brought in the kid from the CFL, Freddie Bishop. You got Lorenzo Mullen going into year two. That, those are going to be the positions to watch on the defensive training camp, keep an eye on the outside linebackers who's going to win those spots. But they got Aaron Henderson coming back, David Harris coming back, and they're really deep at that linebacker position where last year they were not. 
and there's a lot of depth all over that defense. They should it'd be a huge disappointment if they're not top five. So when you look at the Jets, although they're really young at the with the defensive line position, at the important skill positions, they're all they're all a little bit older. So you would really say they're a win now team. So what do you, what do you think the outlook is for the Jets this year? You know, I still it is absolutely a win now team, and that's part of the reason why everyone said that Matangan had to get the deal done with Fitzpatrick. I still think there's a ceiling on Fitzpatrick, and I think we saw that last year. I think going that you don't see quarterbacks in their tenth year just turn it on, turn into a different quarterback. I expect some type of regression. Their schedule is much harder. It's not this death schedule that a lot of people are making it out to be, but it's last year's schedule was really easy, and this one is pretty difficult. So I I think you're looking at eight and eight, nine and seven, and if everything breaks right, you could see them match ten and six again if they can steal a couple wins and be more consistent, but I think we're looking at maybe 9 and 7. Chris Nimbley from Jets Insider and Scout.com. Chris, thank you so much for your time, and good luck for the start of training camp. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Let's move to baseball for a bit because the New York Yankees (laughs) don't – I don't think they know what they want right now. The deadline is this weekend. In fact, Monday Monday to be exact. And I don't think we know what the Yankees are at this point. I think the Yankees know what they are at this point. I think you know their average team. I, I, yeah, but I said this last week. They did trade our oldest Chapman. I was very against that trade. They traded him to the Cubs. They got some nice prospects back. And obviously the great Adam Warren. <laughs> great which Adam which Warren. does mean that they got Starling Castro for free. So there's nothing wrong hey, with that. Hey, for all we know, Adam Warren just played so terrible so they can get trade to the Yankees and play his best now. I'm not an Adam Warren guy. He's not a see when he was a starter, he couldn't go get through the fifth inning. And when he was a reliever, he was okay and then he fell apart. So I'm not an Adam Warren guy. What if the Yankees just become hot? Exactly. That's why I don't think they should have traded. What I always thought was you can't commit to a full rebuild when you have guys untradeable contracts like Jacoby Ellsbury. Who's a terrible signing we all Exactly. We've all said that. You have Ellsbury. You have Headley. You can't commit to a full rebuild because those guys, if they produce, they will produce at a decent level, especially Ellsbury, who would steal bases and maybe hit for a high average. You can't break it all the way down and rebuild. Because even if Ellsbury produces, you'll win games, but his contract is so bad, no one will take him. They'll think it's a flash in the pan, which most likely it probably would be, let's be honest. So the fa- my whole thing was you wait, you wait out those contracts, you re-sign Chapman, you build from the bullpen up because that's the way it is. Everything's on a pitch count right now. You everyone go, No one goes into the eighth and ninth inning anymore. It's all about having shut down relievers, and the Yankees had that. Now... I'd like the trade if I don't think Chapman signed an extension. If the Yankees could he somehow, I don't think he signed that. If extension. they could somehow get Aroldis back, then it's a steal. It's like what the Red Sox did with John Lester a few years ago when they almost got him back after they traded him to the A's. But I don't know what the Yankees are going to do. I'd assume Carlos Beltran's the next to go. No, I think he should go though. You have to trade. I him. mean, come on, that guy's playing like, at the sure? highest level. You, mean, Be- oh, no, I, 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 you can't. You the only. I'll let you finish, but the only thing I'm going to say is you can't. If you're going to sell, you have to sell. If you're going to buy, you have to buy. You can't jump in halfway. You have to make a decision because then you're just operating as it makes no sense to make one trade that um, indicates you're going to sell, then start buying all of a sudden. And then why'd you trade the one guy, one of the best players on the team, and the best one, arguably the best closer in baseball? I don't think it's a are you sure. It's you have to make the trade because first of all, you're not going to get 
a better version of Beltran right now than what he's doing right now because I don't. I, for all we know, in the second half he might just drop off like A. Rod was last last season, where he had a great first half and he dropped off in the second half. Who wants to say Carlos Beltran will do the same thing even at thirty nine years old? I mean, but here's man. the here's the thing about Beltran. If you're not, we already know that he's having a a fantastic year right now. But Jay, it's 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 weird because a you were right about going halfway being a buyer and a seller, but the weird thing about it is, if you trade Beltron, season's over. Exactly. Well, but they I know the season's over though. The Yankees know in their heart they're not making the playoffs. They're only three and a half games okay. out of that second wild card. Yeah, get rid of that mathematical stuff, but just look at the team itself. Is this a wild card team? No. You don't know. If you that. had Chapman, you could like the, there were expectations at the beginning of the year. You, I don't even trust any of our starting pitchers to even get out in the first game of the wild card. Well, but that's so. not the point. The point is, do you go all in to make at least make the playoffs and start a new era of the Yankees never miss the to, playoffs to that be, they did start running back in nineteen ninety. Six. I don't even care to make the playoffs or not. I just I'm more care about the future of the team of the franchise. So you're in the camp that they have to sell, yes, which they kind of started they have to sell because we, the playoffs don't mean anything. You can make it and get bounced out in the wild card round. But but then what happens? You know, there's been a wild card team that's gone at least the ALCS or or the NLCS every year, right? Yeah, but the way this team's constructed, I don't you see don't this team going them, far. Really. I don't see this team going far at all. Like they go like last wild card, they couldn't even hit. Like that's how terrible really they were. The Dallas and they're a year older. You think they get a hit in in the wild card round with all that pressure on them, knowing that they gotta they gotta win this and game they to were get at home last year. Yeah, and they were at home. They could, they could go on the road this year, for all we know. They're not gonna be at home. They're gonna be on the road. So I don't see this team exactly being a playoff team. That's why I feel like they gotta be sellers. I just I find it very hard to look that far down the line, if only because we've seen crazier things. Well, yeah. I didn't want to get. I was in the camp of wait, literally wait till the last possible moment because the, that's the team the Yankees have been. They're streaky. They were streaky last year, and now they're mediocre streaky this year. And now all of a sudden they're playing well, and then you trade Aroldis Chapman. Yeah, but this mathematical stuff. I mean, it doesn't apply unless it's NFL. It does apply because they're only three and a half out. Love, yeah. If they're twelve out, but, then you trade everybody. But, but they're yeah. three and a half they out with theor- two months to go. And you could it, theoretically, I don't know what their schedule. They they play the team ahead of them. They could become a half game out. They should they have could. swept Houston. Exactly. They, they would have been right in there for the wild card. Yeah. Instead of three and a half out, they would have probably been at a game out. Exactly. So at, then it makes no sense team, to sell. Just, but look at the team overall. They've been an up and down team throughout the first half of the season. So that you means he's got to get hot so, in the so, second. So that means with that argument, the Yankees, without that putrid April, they're in the wild card right now. Because that April And they didn't have Chapman for the first 30 days. Exactly. I don't think that bullpen's going to last, though. What do you mean it's not going to last? It's September. Remember remember last year, they, they didn't even last. They just started collapsing. Everybody started. Yeah, Andrew Miller did yeah. blow a big save against Toronto, which kind of cost them the division. They're in the same situation right now this year, too, because it used those three guys. Well, with now Chapman trading now, it's only two guys. So many innings right now. By the time September comes, they're going to be worn out. So they that's why they have playing. to sell. They have to jump in full freight. That's even what I'm though saying. they got to sell, they just they got to understand they're not a playoff team, so they got to sell. I think they started selling too early. I think they could have waited till Sunday or even even Monday. They could have because guys like Chapman and people still want, all well, still going to want him, especially guys like Miller too. But they got prospects too. So they I mean, got the trade. They got so really good bad. prospects. But then, what does that say about Andrew Miller? To me, that makes him doggone near untradeable. He has on a, such a good contract. He's a great. He, he had a great year last year, 
And the Yankees know, should we said talked about this last week, they should know better than anybody what a great back of the bullpen means for a team and how important it is. It doesn't make any sense to continue to break down the entire consistency of your bullpen. Because I don't trust Dylan Batances to be a shutdown closer because he's too erratic. He could strike out the side in one inning. He could low, He could walk the whole ballpark the next. Then he could walk the bases loaded and then subsequently strike out the side. But if you look at the Yankees and you look at the Mets and you look at the Knicks and you look at the Giants and the Jets, what they all have in common, they're an up-and-down team. There's not one well, the team Knicks in there. The Knicks are just mostly down. Yeah, they're mostly down. But they've also been up and down like last year, even though they should have made the playoffs. But they the had Knicks won terrible. 32 games yeah, last but they were year. What do you mean they, they should have made the playoffs? They were 22 and 22. They had a chance there. But I'm saying, like, overall, New York is just, just an, a hot and cold type of place to be. Because you you're hot and you're cold. But that's sports. Yeah, but I'm just saying in general... Like, we haven't had a consistent winning team in New York where, oh, we say they're going to win every year. Even the Giants, when they would yeah. win, the, the Giants would win the Super Bowl and they've then been not up make and the down. playoffs. Yeah, they've been up and they, down, it's too. It's either boom or bust. Exactly. And the Jets, well, they've been up and down, too. Well, the Yankees from 96 to 07, 07. 07. And, then they, and then they won in 09, were yeah. about as consistent as you can. That's the only team that's been consistent. Everybody else has been mediocre. So that's average. why it's tough to see the Yankees in this position because yeah. you don't know what they should do. And that's why New York is so so hungry for a title because that's the expectations we have every year. We want to win a title. Especially with New York Yankee fans, they want to win a title every year. It's it's championship or bust. But some fans can't take it. 94 I believe since 1994, they haven't been under 500. So that means, Ray, if you want to sell, that means that the Yankees aren't even going to be a 500 team? They, I don't think they're going to be a franchise. I think they're going to be or if, probably maybe a 500 team. Maybe they'll be over it, but not as much. I think they'll be like 87. 87? They won 87 last year or something And like they that. made the playoffs! What are you talking about? I, but I still think 87 won't be enough to even make the playoffs this year. That's what I think. I think, the team, I think AL is going to get better in the second half. These teams are going to get hotter, and I think that it's not going to be enough for the Yankees to get to do. That's just me. Damn right that's just you. Well, I'm just saying. I mean, you got to look at it. I'm just saying you, 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 you talk about all this mathematical stuff, and it's true. They're right there. But I just look at the team itself. I don't think they're good enough to even, like, compete with these other Funny teams. Funny thing is we said the same thing about the Royals. We talked about, and I know talking with, with other people, that the Royals in the AL Central last year weren't a great team. They're the reigning champs now. Yeah, but the Royals... Their the team, Royals had a great back of the bullpen and had a meh offense. Yeah, but the Royals team, they're constructed to be a playoff what team. I am telling, What I am telling you, Ray, is that to make the assumption right now that this team is absolutely, totally insignificant to any part of the playoff race, it's a bit premature. It's not, because just, just the way they play. Like, if you look at every game, do you have faith that they're going to score five runs in the game? No. I have no faith in this team that they score five runs. In fact, even if the opponent scores one run, I feel like we lost already. That's how, that's how terrible the it offense is. is. Yeah, that's how terrible it is. So I have no faith that they're going to do that in the playoffs. And then wild card game, that one of our starts, Tanaka, whoever's starting, he gives up one run, he's going to think that we lost. Exactly. It's over. Same so, thing with the Mets Sounds sometimes. like the Mets, exactly. Yeah. So it's like, that's why I'm saying, like, I, I don't believe in this team. Like, if they make it, so what? They'd probably get eliminated the first game in the wild card. Hey, if they, that's what you feel, that's what you feel. I'm just being realistic. Uh, just, just, I know the fans want to say, oh, you know, we'll make the wild card, we'll make a run there. I, I don't, I don't most see fans have Most fans have actually been saying, kill it, kill it, let it die. Yeah. So. Unless you're Michael K, though. 
But still believes in the team. Uh, I mean, you can't blame you can't blame Michael Vick. He's the vo- he's the TV voice of the Yankees. But Donald, but you know, I'm just saying in general, like you know, you just gotta be realistic. And now I'm being realistic. So we're done with baseball because I'm sorry, we can't talk anymore about Familia blowing two straight saves and how the season's over. This, that, and the third. We'll save the Mets angst for next week. Let's go to the other blue and orange team. That is the New York Knicks. Derrick Rose has called the Knicks a super team. In 2011. But you know, on paper, they look like it. But uh, In 2011, <laughs> they're a super team. Now, eh. It's a what-if super team. That's what it is. They're, it's they're a what-if super, super team. That is a pretty that's, – that is good. Like, they're that a, is a what-if super they're team. They're a super team if his ACL isn't destroyed and his meniscus that's isn't destroyed and his w- orbital bone See, isn't cracked. Yeah, it's 2011, yeah, but right now they're a what-if super team because if everybody stays healthy, then they could be a super team. What if team. Derek never got injured? What if Noah played yeah. last year? What if Melo stayed in his Denver shape? What or just I don't know about time. I don't know about Courtney Lee and Porzingis wasn't here yet. Well, yeah. what if Courtney Lee made that layup in that finals with Orlando? Off that oh. pass. No. We blew that game for him. <laughs> <laughs> and what if Melo was at least in the scoring title like championship when he won in the but I, I, you can't say the Knicks you, know? are, you can't say the Knicks are a super team. Maybe they they have a good starting five, but their bench is I not that great. I think they're good enough to make the playoffs. Well, obviously, but they're good. They're uh, like 45-37-47-35. That they, I don't see them winning 55 plus games. Uh, Although you see, although you see in the NBA, they say that they're supposed to be finishing ninth. In yeah, the ESPN had I that. Mm-hmm. I, I think that I don't even think they were five hundred. Yeah. No, they were below five hundred. Forty and forty-two, maybe or like something like that. I think they're going to be the five hundred. It was, it was forty. They're going to be five hundred. They have to be five. They're going to be over. 500. They were twenty. You said it earlier. They were twenty-two and twenty-two last year, and their starting point guard was Jose Calderon. Yeah. This year, their they backup. Rose. They have two. Jose Calderon wouldn't even see the floor this year. We have Brandon Jennings and Derrick Rose. So yeah, so I think they're good. I think they're going to be. I think they're going to win fifty games. And you do have you a coaching. They 50 games? You do have a coaching improvement in Hornacek, by yeah, the way. Yeah, Hornacek is, is a very smart coach. He's not like Derek Fisher, who doesn't know what the hell he's doing most of the time. Well, yeah, Derek Fisher didn't know what he was doing, but. You, like, you see you that think, facial expression. He just like, well, well, I don't know. What, what do you want from like, me? <laughs> 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 like, seriously, 50, but seriously, 50 games? You think they're going to win 50 games? I think they're going to win 50 games. How? Like, because if you look at the team itself, give me one position where you say they lack in. In terms of what? In terms of, in terms of what? depth. Bench. The front court. No, they're pretty deep. No, they they, got, a, front of, they got a ton of centers. They, yeah, got, they got like yeah, they got Oh, yeah. Right. I only experience, though. That's, so. that's one thing. It's going to take a while for their chemistry to develop, of So course. how are they going to win 50 but, games? Because it take a while. It's going to be because of Porzingis, I think. I think if he takes that next step, that, that's avoid, when they could elevate themselves to a 50 Avoid that team. sophomore slump. Yeah. If you avoid that sophomore slump. Because I believe DeAndre Russell was not, is not going to avoid that. I well, believe Carthony Towns might, might get that. Russell didn't have that good of a rookie year. Yeah, so I think, it, I think he'll make a better year in the second year. I think Porzingis is going to be much better conditioned. And that was big for him because he fell off a little bit at the end of last yeah. year. And he had a couple injury problems. So I think his conditioning will improve. So if, he gives us, if he gives us 18 and 8, we can live with well, that. We, I think he averaged, what, like 13 and 7? Seven. Seven. Yeah. So he, he goes up eight, a little bit. 20, 10, that's realistic. I don't, I don't know. I don't know just, about realistic. Because but. he has the ability to average 20 and 10. He has, yeah. He has the ability to average 25 and 10. I don't and know. Like about a 20, couple, maybe 25. At 7'3 with a jump shot, post moves, he could, he could score at will. If, and I if, really he, put, if he puts weight on if him, he's he score a score at will. only, then he's like 25 and, and 7. If he's just a score. But if he does everything and everything else, he's 20 and 10. I can't lie to you. I really like the more that time goes on, I'm liking the idea of a Noah Porzingis front court more and more. 
I love it because if you like Lopez and Porzingis, if Noah stays healthy, Noah's a better defender than Lopez. I mean, yeah, so Noah's a better rebounder. Noah won Defensive Player of the Year. He's much better defender than Robin Lopez. And he's a much better passer than Robin exactly. Lopez. Exactly. That's too. why it'd be a perfect fit. For, if, they're, if they aren't keen on running the triangle, Derek Rose said the, offense, the team fits the triangle to a T, which I, I don't understand that. No, especially got, since he can't shooting. really shoot like that. Rose got to start shooting like 45%. He wants to fit in the triangle. Yeah, so <laughs> if you go based on that, Noah's the perfect center for Phil Jackson offense. But, but the problem gotta, is Phil Jackson isn't the coach. They gotta run a modified triangle. Well, I mean we all gotta see his coming. I mean Phil Jackson made a comment on how modern players can't run you run the triangle and it's kinda true because everybody just wants to run up and down and be lazy and just, you know, let's just shoot threes and not try to drive or be methodical on offense. So I mean I can see a triangle mixed with, with uh pick and roll. You know, all the almost all the offenses Up-tempo. combined. Yeah, all the offenses combined I, I can see kind that. of a hybrid offense. Yeah. Game. Like what the Warriors do kind of. Because they want to try, but they don't want to try yeah, all the time. We don't have Steph Curry yeah, and Clay to, Thompson. Yeah. And, or, and Kevin Durant. Or Kevin Durant. It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't matter. Or they, they've won. They, they're just going to win. That, it doesn't matter. I, I think it's going to be hard for them. Their, their pressure's all on the Warriors anyway. And they said that, the, well, Rowe said that he could compete with the Warriors, and then they made some virtual In reality game. In 2011. They made some virtual reality really game. Good. They made some virtual <laughs> reality game where the Knicks beat them by eight points, apparently. Which I don't know if that's even going to happen, but if it does, I mean, that will be good for us. We'll be a super team like the Warriors. That them winning one game wouldn't make them a super team. That's for sure. I want to look at Jeff Hornacek for a second because Eric Bledsoe got that much better when he was working with Hornacek in Phoenix. Who do you think benefits the most from working with Hornacek? And I'm going to give you a choice between two guys, Derek Rose or even Brandon Jennings, because I feel like for Brandon, Ro- for, excuse me, for, for Derrick Rose, he kind of is what he is at this point. Well, I don't know. I think Hornacek could help Derrick Rose out with a jump shot because Hornacek was a fantastic shooter back Yeah, he might he help played. everybody for all we know. He might make the worst player on the team shoot, shoot like 50%. And even, <laughs> even with Derrick Rose's myriad of injuries, he's still an athletic freak. I mean, he was Russell Westbrook before the injuries. I don't know how Russell had three knee surgeries and is somehow more athletic, but Derrick Rose didn't get that back. <laughs> so I still I still think that Hornacek could really help out Rose a lot. I think it helped out Jennings a lot too, though. Well, I don't know because Jennings has, Jennings has a torn Achilles also. Jennings is what he is. He's never been that athletic freak like Derrick Rose is. Derrick Rose is... Yeah, exactly. But so. sometimes, some, not, so, I mean, that's a big exactly. So he, he already is, has has a skill level set. Derrick Rose has a lot of room to improve in that area. So I if you're going to say who he's going to help out more, it's going to be Derrick Rose. I think Rose needs to change his game though, a little bit more if he wants to stay healthy. I think he has to develop a post game because if he as has a, a point, post, you're not going to give the if you're not going to pass up giving the ball to Carmelo or Porzingis in the post to give it to Derrick Rose. No, but I'm just saying in terms of if he wants to stay healthy in this league, he's going to have to start. He has to like develop that. a jump shot to stay healthy so he doesn't have to drive every play to get a bucket and get hit. That's how he's going to stay healthy. And he got to learn how to change pace, too, when he comes to well, like... He does. he does do that. I mean, he did... He What used to be dunks when he was fully healthy, they were floaters. They were bank They were bank shots off the glass. That's funny. But they were all off the drive, like Jeremy was saying. What's interesting, though, is that when he, when he got his injury, it was on a floater, too. Was well, no, it was on layup. a jump. Uh, well, a jump the, tor- the, tor- the torn ACL in, against Philadelphia yeah, was, was like on a jump, jump stop. Yeah, jump. And then he, he his knee just popped. Yeah, that looked really bad too. So that was one of his go-to moves. And he's had a, he's had some trouble. There's hesitancy going to the basket. And he's having a lot of trouble finishing. 
when he doesn't want to take that much beating. So either. that's why Hornacek could help him out because Hornacek could help him develop a mid range or a three point jump shot. Or maybe he can because Derrick Rose has been in the NBA since 2008 and maybe he's just not going <laughs> to be able, maybe he's not do it. I think he'll do it. I think he wants to play this best year because he knows this is a contract type of year. For him. Exactly. That's so why I think that. That's why when we the trade happened, I was. Yeah. It's a great trade. He's in a contract year. If he's terrible, the money comes off the books, and you can go after a point guard, he's Russell good, Westbrook. You sign him, yeah. And if he's great, you sign him long term. To close things out, we should definitely talk about Amari Stoudemire coming back and retiring as a Nick. To be honest, I'm I'm surprised that he did that. I thought he if he was going to retire. I thought he would go back to Phoenix. I love Amari Stoudemire, and I think but he, he was Amari great talked. Amari talked about it how he made calls to Phoenix, and he didn't get. They weren't well received. He came to the Knicks when in 2010 when Phoenix wouldn't offer him a guaranteed deal for the full five years. The Knicks did. The Knicks needed a free agent badly because if you think now was bad, just you know what the 2000s were like. Ooh, Isaiah Thomas did a, <laughs> a ran rub shot over the number. Knicks. Jerome, we gave Jerome James a five-year contract. Well, I have my... So having, getting Amari... Having, Amari was the guy who revitalized New York basketball. Yeah. And that first year, before the Carmelo Anthony trade, you could arguably say he was the MVP of the league the way he was playing. He broke Willie Knowles' long record of... 30-point games in a row. Amari had nine in a row. He hit that amazing shot against Boston when the Knicks were winning. That didn't count, but it was an amazing shot. It really brought excitement back to the city, and his body ended up betraying him, which is a shame. He's he's one of the what-ifs. If you're going to talk about what-ifs, Amari yeah. was a what-if. Well, I had one of these bizarre theories of, of Mari White. Here we Nick. go. More than than a son. Well, I told and, you and why, makes... but uh, I'd like to hear your theory on it. Well, I believe the reason why he retired as a Nick was – not only because they, he was like, I guess they they liked him for what he did with New York, but I, I believe if this team wins a title, he'd be part of that. Well, I got a ring with the team because I kind of revived him back, and, and also, I mean, you get all the money he wants because he's in New York. So is it he signed stuff? a non guaranteed one year deal. They waived yeah, him and but, he retired. What money is he getting? Yeah, but I think it's much <laughs> more than being just because he retired as a Nick that he's like, you know, they like me because what I did for the team. I think it's it's those two. He though. felt wanted. Yeah, but he also knows that if this team wins a title, he could be part of that. I, I get that ring with the team. Because well, he I'm might have him back. He, he might he not be done playing though. There have been reports that he owns a team overseas within Israel. He might play for them or over in China. So you might not have seen the last of Mars Starmar on a basketball court, Maybe but. Be a college commentary for all we know. I think Amari is—he has a lot of interest outside of basketball. If you look at, he's interested in art. He does some television stuff. He was in that movie with LeBron James, that train wreck movie, and he owns obviously a team but overseas. I, I also so. think he'll work with the team more. So that's what I'm like saying. Like a GM like, and like player yeah, personnel capacity. Saying, that and that is his way of saying, you know, if this team wins a championship, I could get my ring and then be like I was part of this, this well, New York though, super team. I think it's great that a guy of Amari's caliber retires as a Nick because people don't understand how great of a player Amari Sotomayor was. If you look at the 2005 Western Conference Finals, he did, he dominated Tim Duncan. The Phoenix Suns lost in five games, but if you look at Amari's numbers, Amari took Tim Duncan to school. And that was this, the come up of, wow, this guy could potentially be one of the better power forwards in NBA history. And even with all his injuries, he's probably still a Hall of Fame player. That's true. He's a Hall of Fame player. Top 20 in, po- t- top 20 in points scored. And honestly, people like to have things of Hall of Fame caliber players that they remember. That series against the Spurs is one of them. Those, si- those times against 
any team in Him the and first... Steve Nash Oh yes Steve Nash You could say Those Phoenix Suns teams There exactly. should have been One of them That actually well, At the, least went to the finals They would have If they, uh, they, David Stern Didn't suspend Amari For leaving the bench After Robert Ory Hip checks Steve Nash Into the scorers table Amari takes one step off They suspend him And Boris Diaw And change the outcome Of that series completely But if you look at um, People say Steve Nash Made Amari Sotomayor, but I don't. I you could argue Steve Nash doesn't get two MVPs without Amari Sotomayor. I know Steve Nash had Sean Marion, and Steve Nash is a great player. I'm not saying Steve Nash isn't, but Steve Nash doesn't take it to the next level without Amari Sotomayor. That's true. Steve Nash makes everybody look better. I mean, you make us. You may, if we play with him, he probably make us look better too. Well, obviously, <laughs> so, but Steve you know. Nash, Amari Sotomayor, and Steve Nash were one of the greatest dynamic duos. It's a shame that that Phoenix team, which was so exciting. Didn't get to the finals. Part of which you can blame on coaching because Mike D'Antoni is not the greatest defensive coach ever. But I, I just do Houston, think Amari Sotomayor. Soon enough. Yeah, I don't, that hire is ridiculous. But <laughs> I think Amari Sotomayor's legacy is going to be one of what if. If you look at his basketball reference numbers, they have this stat, and his stats are similar. Like his, this one percentage that they have. I don't know what the stat's called, but his number is similar to Grant Hill's and Tracy McGrady's. So those are two oh, of the biggest – One, Those are the biggest – some of the biggest what-ifs in NBA history, and Amari goes right up with them. Yeah, because Grant Hill was like the first LeBron James, if you think about it. Well, no, Grant no, – Oscar Robertson never oh, triple double. But Grant Hill yeah. – Scott – Grant Hill was – I guess you could say Grant Hill was a guy like LeBron, getting tri- triple-double, being able, at 6'8", being able to take the ball up the court. And T-Mac was an unbelievable scorer before his body betrayed him. And same thing – we could see the same thing about Amari. And with that – we're going to be out of here. Please make sure we, first of all, thank you so much for following us for our first few episodes. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes. You can follow us on SoundCloud as well. And also on the Twitter. At Morning At Jeremy EPS. And at under, and on, I, I messed up again. Wow. At N underscore A-S-O-N-Y-E. Follow the podcast at Slam City underscore 360. And the big site as well, the Dunk 360. Because there can only be one. That's right. Deuces.